0: Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach
0: and I'm Pastor Mark.
1: And today we are joined again by another welcomed guest, an honored guest, the CRC's very own Anthony Salvagio. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. This is all part of the fun of doing things over Zoom. Uh, Anthony, so you can correct me and uh, jump in and say your last name when we uh, turn it over to you. But uh, yeah, we're really happy to have just another perspective in our perspective series, just trying to get... Uh, some information gathered from pastors and lay leaders from around the reformed world uh, both inside the crc and outside of our own denominational context and so we're excited to have um to have anthony along to give his perspective from ministry all the way on the east coast the opposite end of north america from us here in california and so Mark, you can maybe share a little bit of your guys' connection and how you came to know each other. I'm kind of the odd man out, so <laughs> I would love to turn it over to you and let you uh, introduce Anthony as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, I serve on the Council of Delegates, which is essentially the board of trustees for the CRC, a very large board of trustees with about 50 plus members. And uh, Anthony does as well. And uh, we just shared lunch a couple times during our, our recent COD meetings and uh, hit it off, and I was really intrigued by Anthony's story, and so, Anthony, welcome, and why don't you tell us first how to say your last name, and then you can go into some <laughs> of the details of your life for us, too. <laughs> okay,
2: like the Maggio. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> I know it's hard for those, uh, yes, you're not Dutch, are you, Zach? But you
1: know, no, I'm not Dutch, <laughs> but I might as well be in this case,
2: I think. <laughs> Well, I'm Dutch at heart, so that's all right. So it works theologically. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I, well, first of all, I, I did want to say I love what you guys are doing. I love I love this present series you're doing. I love just the way you approach the Reformed faith, that that kind of winsome uh, but faithful kind of presentation of what it means to be Reformed. I love it. So it's great to be on. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so uh, a- you, you have a very interesting <laughs> journey into the Christian Reformed Church, yeah. Anthony. Um, I, I'm really, maybe you could fill the listeners in on uh, where the Lord has Lord has brought you and uh, how you ended up in Rochester, New York.
2: So I started out here. I was born here. But actually, the first time I uh, heard about the CRC, my first interaction with the CRC uh, was because I was part of the Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America, the RPCNA. And I ministered in that denomination, and I was at our synod in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, Geneva College. It was 2002, and I watched these two guys come forward. Uh, They were fraternal delegates to our synod from the Christian Reformed Church of uh, North America, and they were pleading with our synod not to kick out the CRC from NAPARC. Uh, which is the North American Reformed Presbyterian Coalition, or something, right? It's this, it's this body of, of Reformed uh, churches, and it was over the issue. Of course, women in office was an issue, and the CRC was suspended, and eventually, we were kind of asked to leave that. But I remember these these two guys coming and just saying to our synod, um, you know, hang on, don't don't let us go. We're a faithful denomination, and to be honest, I think the, the room was, uh, you know, the CRC is a liberal denomination it's going down the tubes and all that stuff so that's really the first time i had heard about the crc and uh, as a young uh, minister in the, in the rp and i you know so i didn't imagine i'd ever be in the crc based on that i think i had that view but in in 2010 i really came through the doors of the crc through um the christian school here we have a rochester christian school which is was founded in 1917 our church our the rochester Christian Reformed Church goes back, I think, 1876, you know, so this is a great long history, but we really believe my wife and I uh, believed in Christian schooling, and uh, so we kind of came in the door there. My wife actually now is the principal of the, of the Rochester Christian School, so we're kind of a CRC power couple that way, and uh, <laughs> but that's how I came in the door, um, and I really was attending here. Uh, the, the reasons for that are the longer, another, another podcast episode, um, but I was actually a member of this church, and I was doing some pulpit supply. But uh, eventually, our our pastor decided to uh, resign. Who was working here, and I started filling in. I was doing a lot of pulpit supply around in reformed churches, and I started doing it here, and we kind of fell in love with each other. I guess I really enjoyed working with the uh, the congregation, and it was. I ended up getting called. So, but. Let me tell you. Well, the other impression of the CRC was it was uh, very hard to get into this place. <laughs> so yeah, it was hmm. very interesting to have that. Like it was very different than the other Reformed churches, you know, and that I had, had dealt with. So I had to go through the whole EPMC. I, I had gone to seminary, a Reformed seminary, but it wasn't Calvin, and um, you know, I didn't come out of the RCA. So I. I had to like, you know, go through, I like became a commission pastor first while I did EPMC and all. It was, it was quite, quite a uh, ordeal. Uh, so I did, I did my penance. I took the classes and I, I made it.
0: Yeah. And so part of the reason that, that we really wanted to have you on uh, Anthony is that we, we'd love to learn and to expose our listeners to the RPCNA a little bit um what can you give some cliffs notes description of what that denomination is like and uh maybe how it even contrasts the crc
2: yeah it's um first i, I have a great admiration respect um I'm, i have a debt of gratitude to the rpcna the church i ministered at was right on the campus of geneva college college hill church great people so i have nothing but but good stuff to say um, well, I guess I got a few things I might say, <laughs> but, uh, but the denomination itself, the, the, the crazy thing is there are a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. It was great training for the CRC. Uh, it's certainly, the CRC is like 40 times you know, bigger. <laughs> it's a, it's, the and is really small, but it has, the similarities are, it, it had a history of kind of ethnic uh, homogeneity, like it, it was Scottish. So you just Mm, Dutch and Scottish, same kind of thing. You had, you know, the my directory and my other church, the M's were the big part, now that the V's are the big part, you know. (laughs) That's what it was like. So you had historic families going back multiple generations who had been in this church from Scottish descent, all the stuff like the the Jerusalem was in Pittsburgh seminaries there, the the uh, senior homes there, the college, the you know, everything is, so it's, it's this kind of Scotch-Irish, you know, immigration experience, and so very similar in that type of makeup, and going through a very similar process that our church is going through, where that ethnic family tie that really did, you know, your, your cousins were, at so, you know, everybody was related to everybody, you know, you played Scottish bingo, I guess, and, uh, but that was kind of uh, dwindling as the uh, as a place of cohesion, and so the nomination was searching for uh, kind of an identity, and it was receiving a lot of uh, call it immigration. People were coming. In the nomination didn't share that ethnic background, and so that was very similar to what I see in the CRC as well. So much more conservative uh, on the confessional side. I mean, one of the the craziest thing when I went to the first CRC classes meeting, like, everybody was nice to me. <laughs> it was like this. It was this weird thing because I'd go to Presbyterian meetings in my Presbytery, you know, and it was like, it, it was it, there was just this, a spirit of, um, like at, at the best, like confessional, uh, full-throated, uh, hearty. Uh, at, at the worst, there was like a lot more suspicion of one another in the ministry. Like it seemed like I went to classes here in the CRC when I found was you know like these guys want me to do well you know, the, the people at, at classes seem to really want to encourage and um okay. so uh there's a there, there are a lot of those uh similarities that I think are very helpful some of the differences like I will say that I thought the CRC uh obviously is bigger um has a had a little bit different view of of the confessional side I mean I I sometimes and we can talk a little bit more about this because I have I'm of kind of two minds about this. Like I kind of thought just we need to be a little more theological as a denomination. And got all this great Dutch reform theology, like what, why are we, you know, why are we afraid of our heritage? You know, even like reading a denominational magazine, like, you know, like, do I ever hear Bob Inker or Burkhoff or, you know, um, so that kind of stuff. Um, we're a little bit much more bureaucratic. Uh, that really surprised me. There's a lot of bureaucracy in the CRC in the sense of, you know, the good part of it isn't like wanting to do things well, decently, and, and order. Um, but sometimes I've kind of seen obstacles erected around when you kind of knew the spirit was moving or something and this kind of like, well, that's not the way we do things. And it seemed like the bigger, the, the deeper things of the law were being, you know, kind of lost in, in that kind of attitude. So that, there's a there's a lot of uh, mostly uh, I say similarities. Uh, the Reformed, you know, obviously it was a Westminster tradition uh, standards versus three forms. But I mean, it's I uh, I didn't have to change my theology to come into the CRC. I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, um, and yeah. Uh, RPCNA are all of the churches in that denomination exclusive psalmody, and um, or how how does that? obviously christian reformed churches i don't know of any that exclusively sing psalms during worship um talk about that contrast a little bit too i'm curious
2: yeah so that is certainly probably the most well known mark of the uh, the rpcna is a commitment to exclusive psalm singing a cappella so there's no instrumentation um which is kind of crazy for me coming to the CRC. When I walked in, there's a, you know, a booming organ that we have the church. But I've gone through like years of singing uh, acapella, and we, we I was in this great church in in Beaver Falls. It just it, it looked like you know a Scottish classic Scottish brick you know church, mm-hmm. and these people could sing. I mean, they could sing acapella. We sang rounds. It was gorgeous. It was a great example, and I love psalm singing. Um, but that definitely is a mark, and it is—it's exclusive, and uh, so you do you don't—that's—you uh, don't mess with that one in the in the RPC. <laughs> so, <laughs> or you won't last. Yeah, it's
1: interesting to uh, to hear your story and to hear how you sort of made this journey through through different places. And just judging by your last name, I'm guessing you're not Scotch Irish yourself. And so <laughs> I'm sure that the the story goes back even further. But as somebody who's also a sort of an immigrant into the CRC, I always appreciate hearing uh, people's stories and how they they found themselves here. One of the thing that well, thing one of the things we've just dis- discussed on this podcast over the course of the last couple of years is how there is something afoot in the CRC. I think in terms of uh, bringing renewal and reform to our denomination, I think you you noted something in your. First experiences, noting that it, we're despite our history, we're not exactly the most theologically minded denomination at the time being. Um, I, I have a little bit of experience with other reform denominations, just through people I've come to know, including the RPCNA. Um, and I've seen that a lot of the Presbyterian denominations, which was kind of the world I swam in in seminary, which was mostly a PCA seminary at RTS uh, a lot of them do theology really well. And it seems to me that something that the CRC can do better at, and I think is doing better at, is beginning to listen to our our own heritage, our theological heritage. Uh, We had the pleasure of being sent over your article that's coming out with Ligonier uh, with their Table Talk magazine. So um, I read through that, which was a great article about the three fools of scripture. Um, I taught a class on proverbs a couple of years ago for both adults and for our high schoolers so proverbs is a book that's near and dear to my heart so the whole idea of wisdom and foolishness is something i really appreciate um it seemed to me as you sort of categorize the three fools uh which were those who deny god those who despise god and those who disregard god uh, good alliteration with the D's <laughs> it seemed to me as I as I, I was really struck by that second one those who uh who
0: Despised, despise
1: despise yeah. God who have rejected God or turned from him and not not appreciated their inheritance and something that I've thought about uh, is the story of Jacob and Esau Esau selling his birthright not really appreciating the value of that which he has that which belongs to him by his birth, And it seems to me as somebody who's come in from the outside into the CRC, I've commonly felt like I want people to see the value of what they have right here in front of them. Uh, And so in some ways, I feel like my job as a pastor here, especially for our students, our young people, is to be sort of an appraiser who goes and shows, here's the value of all of this uh has does that sort of resonate with your own story a little bit and in what ways do you think we as pastors in the CRC can help people see the value of our theological heritage
2: yeah it does resonate with me and i feel um passionate about it i still haven't found um i'm still looking for in the CRC something to emerge around that idea so yeah. You know, this this goes back to this comparison where maybe I have some concerns about directions in the CRC. So uh, just like in in the RP, uh, as things got more confessional, they got confessional, I think, in some ways that were unhealthy. Um, You know, we talk about biblicism and, you know, you can have something emerge where there's a respect for something like, and it becomes like an idol, and uh, this can happen with, with even the scriptures, right? We need to be careful about like obviously the scriptures are God's word and they're inspired, and the, and they reveal to us the plan of salvation. But but obviously we're saved by by Jesus Christ, right? And so you get people who are love the Bible so much sometimes that they get into a biblicism that, and so a similar thing can happen, confessionalism. And I and I got concerned about um, where the where confessional standards almost, you know, became uh de facto kind of <laughs> uh on par with scripture. Um and uh and were used in ways I think that were unhealthy and kind of tightening things so much that um I saw some good people get I mean faithful people. These were not people trying to undermine the faith or but so uh mm-hmm like so I watch what's going on in our denomination and, and at one part like I okay this is we're getting more serious we're, we're we're getting more confessional we're thinking about this but I'm still kind of looking for you know um like it seems to be narrowly focused right now uh, like I, I I would want a conference on let's go talk about Herman boving's uh doctrine of whatever or or, or Burkhoff or 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 a, bro- a broccoli. i mean i've got my uh christmas yeah. <laughs> services i mean this is, we got these incredible things hardest boss i mean having uh talk about biblical theology and uh, the dutch preaching controversy the whole redemptive historical i mean so like there's this whole richness i still haven't found that in the crc um and i'm i i don't know how to cultivate that i mean i'd love to see the articles about that in, in some type of denominational magazine, something seminary conference, something that pastors could do together that would be about a richness of our tradition.
0: Mm, yeah, it's so that's such a great point, because so many of the conversations around the human sexuality report are, are I wouldn't say superficial, but they're at a higher level than getting down to a theology of Christian ethics and the law gospel distinction and just some very very basic things and you hear comments on the floor of synod and it's um you know a, a comment from from this past synod somebody saying you can't tell people to to repent to be sorry for something that just doesn't work and I thought well well this person is operating with a completely different understanding of ministry and repentance and faith and following Jesus than what our confessions certainly teach and and so like getting i think you're exactly right anthony getting down to even a more foundational level um like what did Bobbing he wrote his phd dissertation on ethics what well, didn't he the ethics of zwingli i think actually um hmm, is, is what his right. uh his dissertation was on and so we need to get down to that and i i share your hunger for those conversations
2: here's where you might like kind of disagree so like when I started, when this debate about human sexuality came up, um, like I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a traditionalist, right? So I'm, uh, I'm, the denomination went in a way that's similar to, to what I think. But like the way, I, even uh, I did wrestle, and I still do, like around the issues of the form of subscription, how we think about. Confessionalism—how we are going to—it's a very different system in, in, you know, from where I came out of in kind of the Westminster tradition about how we think about subscription exceptions, like the, our whole gravamen thing. I mean, and even the idea of putting a, a, a footnote or you know doing altering it So I, because I think about Bobbing, right? I think about he wrote a systematic theology, and then he wrote ethics. You know, a book on et- like so. There's a certain they're related, um, but how much do we want to you know mix our peanut butter and our chocolate? Like I mean, it, it's um a distinction there. That's like something I think reformed people need to think through um in a careful way. Uh you know, and I'm not sure. I feel like right now our denomination's rushing a little bit. I think that we need some reform reflection. And I that's kind of what my, my heart's hoping for. Mm, yeah. yeah, could yeah. you could you enlighten us a little bit? I think I
1: know the difference between Presbyterians confessional subscription uh, sort of takes or theories. Um, And ours seems to be, the CRC conversation seems to be pushing for a very tight confessionalism. Um, That's at least my read on how things are going, um, especially with the whole Graveman discussion, some of the work that's come out from the Abide Project, particularly my friend Cedric Parcells, who's done some work. It seems though that the Presbyterians have room for those exceptions Am I right? And do you think we should move in that direction? I guess that's my curiosity.
2: Yeah. So, uh, yes. So in in the in the Presbyterian system, you know, very different. Like so the like unlike our classes, that's one of the things I had to struggle with. Like my credentials are held by my congregation. It was so weird to me because you know your credentials are held by your presbytery. You know, and I mean you went through ten exams in your presbytery, and you, these guys beat up on you for. You know, and then they're they're kind of the overseeing body, and you know that, that, and then so you stand in front of these people, and you they ask you, you know, what are do you have any exceptions? And so you kind of sit there in front of everybody, and you lay it out there, and then the body kind of weighs is that an acceptable, uh, uh you know, um, uh, type of exception to take? Is it something we can live with? And then, but it's kind of public; it's there's there's a means for some discussion and flexibility around that i I think an ability to be honest Mm. about things and um so i kind of like that i feel like ours is kind of weird system you know and it it has this kind of historic thing where really at one point it was i mean we have the strictest form of subscription historically than you know and yet the denomination among these other reformed churches would have been considered confessionally more liberal like a crc would have been from those in in other reform denominations. Uh, so we have the tightest form of subscription, but it didn't really end up working all that well. So why is that? What's going on? And how do we, you know, uh so I, I kind of, um, yeah, I, I have some, I like Miss to have <laughs> About that whole thing and how we do that, and do that well. And so I, I've been, you know, and a lot of confessional, so I think Cedric Parcells, is fundamentally right uh, in his critique. His in, history. In, right, right, too. So I grant that, but I wonder if our system makes sense uh, hmm. whether it's right in the and whether it's the best that we can do. Um,
1: I think that that's a fair question to ask personally. Um, the, for the sake of the honesty aspect that you mentioned, um, yeah so thank you thank you for answering that maybe there's more work to be done um,
0: well the, the we difficult thing overtures. <laughs> the difficult thing about that is um it's it's sort of like uh, letting letting the dam break a, a little bit like if if so we're talking about this way about um matters that that the three of us probably agree are debatable matters right and so many people would have just heard the last four or five minutes and said, oh, so you think that people can just think what they want about same-sex marriage and homosexuality. And that's where the application will go, unfortunately. Um, and all, all three of us, I would guess, agree. Uh, mm-hmm. No, that, that's actually a matter of salvation. It's dealing with what we call sin and um, unrepentant sin. Um, it threatens the soul. And, and so... Uh, therefore, we need to figure out what I hear you guys saying is a better way of talking about debatable matters so that we could probably be more united on the fundamental matters actually as well. And we we can grow in our discernment of the difference between those two things. Is that kind of what I hear you guys saying?
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I would think. There was a lot of work that would need to be done in order to come to that position in a wise way. because. That's kind of how the CRC has been treating confessional subscription, it seems to me. Though we have no no room for the exceptions, we've been just using the Garabamans as exceptions, right? That's that's how we've come to the place that we are, which seems deceitful, and I think that that's a problem. If we had upfront, honest conversations allowing people during an ordination exam to give their exceptions, uh, maybe we would be able to Withhold ordination for people um, as needed on a case by case basis. That's just me sort of thinking out loud.
2: Yeah. And it's up the issue like, um, what should be the form and levels of subscription for different levels? I mean, we had that issue come up, right? So what about members? You know, and I know Cedric has, has answered that question, but like it took nobody, I, I did that moment on Cedric's floor, like people were like, I don't know. it's like how can we be <laughs> a denomination doesn't know that, right And then and then having it's it's from some footnote in 1965 or something and so some, you know minute like is this where so mm-hmm. like oh, let's make it clear what is the form of subscription uh, for a, a member you know what is the level of confessional commitment? Uh, what is it for an elder and a deacon? What is it for a minister of the world? word. We have you know a, a three office system. And throughout the history of Reformed theology, there have been a variety of, of views about that. You know, I just have been reading James Bannerman, you know, classic, you know, uh, king of, of really the of, of what the church is all about. And, you know, this kind of, you know, tome on this and uh, you know, he talks about there being different standards for. You know, no, of course we wouldn't want to have deacons and elders to be subscribing at the level of a minister of the word because of training and background or whatever. You know, and I realize somebody could say, well, literacy and all that kind of, but it's something to think about like, how do we function as a church and, um, you know, how, how we want to treat uh, that. So that's kind of where I might have some, you know, concerns about the direction. I'm happy we're talking about confessions. <laughs> I'd yeah. like to talk about something else other than human sexuality. Now I know people would say the reason we're forced to talk about it is because uh obvious obvious reason. I mean I listened to your last podcast with the guy from the RCA and just talking about, you know, the relief of not having to talk about it anymore. And uh but I guess for me that the I want I want to see the proof that our denomination really wants to embrace a broader discussion of what it means to be reformed and not just a narrow um, or pursuing a confessional kind of path to root out something we're concerned about without giving consideration to maybe some unintended consequences.
0: Mm, yeah wow yeah, I think a... the light
1: bulb just went off for me that was well said <laughs> thank you. <Andy>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well and um I even just uh recognizing that we have a predominantly lay audience um there, some people might be listening and wondering like what, what how does this I guess apply to just the person, the average person in the pew. That the thought here is um, somebody could become a member of a Christian Reformed church. um, You must believe the gospel, that God's word is true, all of the to answer in good faith and in good conscience the questions of a profession of faith. Um, But uh, like Zach and I were just talking not too long ago about a young man in our church who he's not sold on predestination, on the doctrine of election. Um, I've heard that set of uh, particular atonement from other people. And so I was thankful that we could have that conversation because, okay, well, then it's good for us to know that he's struggling with this. Um, we're glad he's a member of our church. We're glad he's a part of, of this community and he'll serve in all kinds of um, important ways even. Um, but it's good for us to know if if his name comes up for deacon or elder um that this is something that we have to have a conversation with him about and we want to encourage him towards embracing um the teaching of the canons of dort and so uh that that's that's kind of how things work from the pastoral perspective just giving the lay person a little bit of um pers- uh, yeah sort of a glimpse into the actual um outworking of, of a lot of what we're talking about but um often that that recognition that we that that young man is a part of our church is let's just be honest abused and turned into oh well then just anybody can come in and you shouldn't be so mean to those people who want to be pastors in the CRC even though they have their struggles about same sex marriage or um or other things it's like no um the teacher will be judged more strictly um and so therefore the the teacher ought to teach what we believe what we say on paper we believe and so um, there is a distinction there that doesn't mean uh pastors are called to a different morality than 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 regular members but um we're certainly called to be uh, above reproach and to, to teach with integrity and so um anyways that uh we're, we're starting to wrap up here Anthony I'm curious you you just mentioned um we need to move into a place of having a good discussion on what it means to be reformed so how would you um you Direct, you're the Pope of the CRC for a day. And uh, what uh, what would you say is, is the direction that we need to be heading? <laughs> oh,
2: if I could control the, uh, uh, the editor of the banner, I would ask that there would be an article in every month's issue written from that perspective, that we get that in the drinking water, um, you know, there'd be an outlet for that. But that would be a priority of our denomination. I mean, I'd like to see that. Um, you know, at our seminary, that there would be a place where, I mean, there there is a, a conference, you know, that's, that's held. There's a, there also is this Bavink, uh society. So there, there are some things they are kind of muted. I mean, I, I would like to see again, some type of, uh, to see our, you know, seminary be a place where there would be a place that pastors could come, that there would be a conference that, uh, was surrounding some of that history. Um, you know, I think there's, uh, I I think I like to see that kind of, I think for ministers being trained, uh, to see them reading those texts as part of their experience. I mean, I realize there can be uh, an idolatry to that too, right? I I get it, right? And I also believe we have learned things, and that the that, that, that I you know the faith grows in ways. So I don't want to get totally, uh, but. I don't think we're overdoing it that way right now. So I guess those would be a couple of initial things. And, you know, so like, you know, there's, these conference, like a bide conference, I, I would prefer to see a Bobbing conference. Okay. You know, or, or yeah. whatever you want to call it, that we, that, you know, and, and that people like, like meeting you, Mark, your COD, one of the great things about COD has been uh, meeting people like you. I, I think our pastors and our leaders need to, you know, mingle a
0: little bit and around good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we just get together and have some food and talk about what's going on in our churches, and we see, uh, you know, even like we saw with Paul last week as well, and now with you, it's like, wow, there's regular good gospel ministry happening, and um, we get caught up in those hot topics, I guess. That's partly what I hear you saying, Anthony, is let's get to the fundamentals. And the the Hot Topics will sort of almost work themselves out if we're all um, centered on God's Word and and a Reformed hermeneutic of it. So um, I I applaud the, I I love the idea of the banner uh, publishing a little bit more theologically rich material. Um, There was a time when the Gospel Coalition, they don't do this as much anymore, but they were producing pretty regularly like... Uh, here's an issue that our world is facing and get a a really thoughtful, and sometimes it was Baptist or Presbyterian, analysis of it and response to it. Um, And I was always sort of hungering for the Christian Reformed Church to produce a little bit more like that. And so uh, I think uh, it's a great idea. Um, And I think people would read it and they would like it. I think it's not being done a lot of times because, oh, no one would read that or be interested. It's like, no, you know, some of the questions I get as a pastor my kid was baptized when they're a baby, and they've never followed the Lord. What, Where are they at with the Lord? You know, it's like, that's that's a theological question that people really want to know about. I'm, I miscarried a child. Is that child in heaven? Can I be assured of it? That's right in the cans of Dort, right? And so there's all of these very regular questions um, that people have that, that we could give great answers to. So um, Zach, any further questions here?
1: Yeah, I think just with our few minutes left, I would love to hear about a little bit about your recent books. Um, I saw your book, Considering Job, and I thought that that sounded fascinating. I've not read any of your books, just so the audience knows, but I'm curious about your work and about uh, maybe what you're up to now, if there's anything sort of coming uh, down the line.
2: So one of the great opportunities I've had has been to write with a variety of publishers, uh, the old Evangelical Press, uh, Reformation Heritage Books, of course, uh, Joel Beaky, uh, yeah. that group, and Shepherd Press and P&R Presbyterian Reform Publishing. So, um, you know, my most recent book is on Job. That's where some of the writing opportunities that I've had in Table Talk, Modern Reformation, Ref Twenty One, Reformation Twenty One, they used to be called. Hmm. Uh, but of course, that that's kind of all in that um, Westminster, you know, PCA, O P side of things. It doesn't really come into the dutch world uh uh so <laughs> yeah. i i um, who knows what'll happen in that regard nothing is uh in the hopper that's a whole other conversation around uh christian publishing um but uh, uh i've been really you know my goal in doing that it was to try to write reform theology for the church and yeah. uh more of that right and um and so that's really was my my goal in, in all the all the books and things like that and i'm grateful for the opportunities to write. And I, you know, as a pastor, I feel like that's what I do every Sunday, right? You're trying to bring reform theology and people and it should serve the church, right? It's there for the, yeah. it's not just for uh, some type of mental, uh, you know, you're kind of self-centered. It's, it's for the church. That's kind of where my writing's been.
1: Yeah. So I will have to go and pick up Considering Job. It sounds fascinating and the title is really great. Um, so yeah, yeah we'll, I think we'll that's put, everything I have, Mark, unless you have anything else to close we'll, up Well, but... <laughs>
0: We'll put those some links to Anthony's work in our, uh, show notes here for the podcast. Yeah, if people are, uh, I, I would guess they'll be very impressed by, uh, all that's been said. And so go read some of his books. If, if you want to continue with it, which, which issue of table talk is your article on wisdom going to be in? Is that the coming month?
2: Yeah, October. It's this October, 2023.
0: OK, so people uh, there's another resource for people is uh, firstly, I do want to commend to people Anthony's preaching, which is excellent. And I was biking around the streets of Ripon listening to Anthony in my ear recently and was blessed to, to hear an excellent sermon from his church, Rochester CRC. Um, so I, I found it on Spotify. I'm pretty sure people could do that. Um, and then Table Talk magazine is an excellent uh, resource. It's It's sort of a lay level theological magazine is kind of what I would refer yeah. to it. And so, if people. Great
1: magazine, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, listeners to Reform podcasts are probably going to be interested in this sort of genre as well, I would guess. So, check out Table Talk, and Anthony has a uh, article there next um, next month. So, thank you, Anthony, for the great work that you're doing in Rochester for the Lord, and for your your good work too at, at Council of Delegates. And um, thanks for joining us on Reform Podmatics. Um, And thank you for listening, everyone. We will catch you on next week's episode. So have a good week. Grace and peace, you guys.